moving. Quiet, the power of introverts <laughs> in a world that cannot stop talking. I don't know about you guys. We mm. can maybe answer this at the end of the episode. Whether okay. you think that you're an introvert or an extrovert, or maybe somewhere in between. Yeah. So what do Warren Buffett, Rosa Parks, Charles Darwin, J.K. Rowling, mm. Albert Einstein, and Mahatma Gandhi all have in common? What do I mean? Okay, I think it's a bit about they're rich, they're famous, right? They were historical icons, they were leaders, but they were also all introverts. Interesting. So in this book, Susan Cain Mm. contends that despite living in a world where confidence is praised and promoted, where speaking up and being outspoken is seen as a virtue, Mm. and more um, we find that more often than not, more people than we think are actually introverts rather than being extroverts. Mm. So these two terms, introvert and extrovert, were first made famous or popular by psychologists. Carl Jung. Mm. So according to Jung, Mm. he theorized that people fell into one of these two categories. Mm. And he also compared the introvert and the extrovert to the ancient Greek characters of Apollo and Dionysus. Mm. So I think if we were to merge what Cain um, looks at or what she defines as an extrovert and introvert combined with what Jung said, Mm. um, we find that an introvert is described as preferring less stimulating environments. They prefer um, to be focused on the internal world of reflection. Um, They like to dream and they like to think. This is compared to an extrovert who is stimulated by social um, situations. They're very energetic, they're lively, and they like to talk. So the argument that Kane makes in her book Mm. is that despite introverts being more than half of the population in the world, they're treated like second-class citizens. And she suggests suggests that society has started reshaping itself into an extrovert's paradise. And she explains that before the 20th century, we lived in what historians call a culture of character, Mm. where you were expected to conduct yourself with morality and yeah. quiet integrity. Yes. But as people started to move out of the um, urban, sorry, the suburbs or yeah. the quiet um, rural spaces yeah. and started to work for big businesses, yeah. the question became, how do I stand out? Yeah. If you're in a sea of a thousand people, how do you you know, make yourself noticed? Mm. Right. And so this, what happened is that we ended up um, preferring extroverts and we created this culture of personality. Yes. And so you have to be a big personality. Yeah. And so she says one consequence of this mm. is what she, what is called group think. Yes. So group think is a phenomenon that occurs when a group of individuals Mm. reach a consensus without Mm. critical reasoning or evaluation of alternatives or consequences. Mm. So it's based on a common desire to not upset the balance of a group. You don't want to speak up because everybody's saying yes. You don't Mm. want to be the person who says no. Mm. And so she says that now children learn in groups. Ideas are formed in brainstorming sessions Mm. and loud talkers are considered to be smarter. (laughs) And people are employed not for their qualifications but for their people skills. You Mm. know, are you able to talk to people? Are you confident? Exactly. Um, And she argues that all that this does is it damages innovation and productivity because if you're unable to speak up and be the alternate person in the group, Mm. everything just remains the same. And ultimately, she believes that as a society, we are um, really starving for stillness and that we need to turn down the noise and focus on what's inside. Mm. And I think think it's an interesting concept. It's, It's interesting. I don't know how much I agree with it, but interesting. And I like the book. As yeah. an extrovert yourself. Uh, actually, I'm not. <laughs> mm, we'll see. To be determined. <laughs> to be determined. But I want to ask both of you a question. Who do you think she's talking about in this book? In terms of? Uh, which nationality? <laughs> okay, fine. I'll just come out and say it. Because yeah. I know that you're, that's what you want me to do. Yeah, then I'll ask you a second question. Okay, Americans, of course. Okay, who are the most obnoxious people in this world? Americans. <laughs> and you? I plead the fifth. <laughs> I think you agree with her. <laughs> and I don't think it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And there's a reason why you would think that way. You see, in 1902, there lived a man called uh, uh, Dale. Mm-hmm. Dale. 
and he lived in a city called Missouri. Mm -hmm. You know, first, let me first say what chapter I'm taking this from. I'm taking this from chapter one, mm. and, and the title is "The Rise of the Mighty Like a Fellow," which is America, mm. which is America. And you see, this guy from Missouri, Dale. Dale was such a skinny guy. You know, just like I was probably when I was 13. Mm. He used to be bullied, and he came from a very poor family. Mm -hmm. His parents uh, were perpetually broke. Now, there was a group that was called Chautakua. Mm. Uh, you, you get the book you read, but that's how I want to pronounce it, Chautakua. And this was a movement born out of uh, upstate New York, mm -hmm. and they used to send speakers to rural America to do plays and give oratory skills to the people. Now, every time they went to Missouri, this Dale fellow used to be there and used to be so wowed by these guys. Mm -hmm. Now, soon <coughs> after 1902, I think the guy goes to college and uh, he, he begins to see that the, the leaders in college were the people that had good public speaking skills. Mm -hmm. And therefore, yeah. he enrolls in public speaking skills and soon, sooner than later, he becomes so good. In fact, he starts teaching people so he went from being shy to being to a being teacher yes, of, mm. of, you know. Like and he, he wrote a famous and, book. And he wrote a famous book. Yeah. And that book is actually called, entitled, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. Now, Dale went on to become a salesman, mm. you know, and he was so, he had a silver tongue. He could sell water to a well, is mm -hmm. that what they say? <laughs> and and, and uh, slowly people began to revere this man as mm. a man who was confident and he could hold his own. This man... His other name was called that Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Mm. Dale Carnegie. Now, uh, the, th the central thesis here of Susan Cain is that during the times when when this uh, Dale used to live with his parents, it used to be an era where it was called the culture of character. Mm -hmm. Now, by the time Dale Carnegie gained the confidence to speak in front of people, America had transitioned himself, and he is very responsible for doing this, mm -hmm. to an era where they call it the... Culture. Culture, culture of, of personality. personality. Culture mm -hmm. of personality. Now, so much had happened then because uh, Americans started moving away from rural areas to cities. Mm -hmm. And they said by 1840, you had about 8% uh, of Americans living in cities. 8% lived in cities. in cities. By 1920, over a third of Americans lived Mm. in urban areas yeah. and that's because now they were, going, they were meeting strangers now they are working mm -hmm. everybody's doing it this is due to the, the industrial you know age and the uh, americans they uh, stop being shy so there's nothing wrong being an extrovert being an introvert sometimes i mean you have very good ideas but sometimes i think you need to be expressive yeah. you need to <laughs> get some that's how you felt well okay. in chapter two <laughs> she does give us the myth of charismatic leaders. Yeah. So she tries Can to make notes. She tries to make the case for quiet leadership, yeah. um, those more yeah. introverted uh, styles. Mm. Um, and so she visits the Harvard Business School. So everyone who is alive knows mm. Harvard Business School mm. is probably one of the best yes. mm. um, in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a place, interestingly, that's full of extroverts. Mm -hmm. And those who are quiet are seen to be sort of out of place. Yeah. And so Harvard <laughs> Business School is a success story for all intents and purposes. Mm. Yeah. You have a lot of CEOs and executives um, coming from Harvard Business School. Yeah. Right. So in fact, between 2004 and 2006, 20% mm. of the top three three executives running Fortune 500 companies yeah. came from Harvard Business School. Wow. Wow. Um, and it has had former presidents, yes. World Bank directors, yes. any kind of major corporate that you can think mm. of Correct. in the world. So yeah. they've been shaping our decisions yeah. yes. without us even knowing. Yeah. 
Um, so Kane saw that the Harvard Business School has an interesting teaching and evaluation method. Mm. And it hinged on how extroverted one was. Right. Mm. So that if you're quiet in class, mm. that was seen as a failure on, on the uh, professor's part. Yes. Of course. And you didn't seem like a team player and you didn't climb the social hierarchy at mm. Harvard if you were not outgoing. Yeah. And the teaching method mm. plays with an old age question. Mm. If you don't have all the facts, yeah. and in the real world, most of the time you, you won't, yeah. would you wait, would you hesitate to make a decision? Mm -hmm. Would you wait to get to, until you have all the facts yeah. in order to make a decision? Yeah. And they say, by hesitating, you risk losing other people's trust yes. and also your own momentum. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Harvard Business School would always tell you, no, no. you know what, yeah. fake it till you make, make it. it. Mm -hmm. Make that decision, always be certain, even when you aren't so. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole learning method at Harvard Business School encourages lots of talking and participating mm -hmm. and just faking it, even yeah. if you don't have all the facts. Very and good. it builds into that uh, current, uh, the current business culture where yes. two things are primary. Yes. Yes. Your verbal fluency, so your ability to talk very fast and yes. flashy. Mm -hmm. And number two, sociability. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so those are the predictors of your success. Mm -hmm. yes. But she and this book mm. um, gets us to question mm. Is the loudest person always the right? The smartest, yeah. And she, so she points out this thing called the winner's curse. And it's basically those who are more intense, more domineering, mm. get their way a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. yes. But getting your way doesn't always mean it's the right way. Yes. Correct. So it means that mm. people are being put in positions of authority yes. just because they're good talkers and not necessarily because they actually have good ideas. Mm -hmm. yes. And you can think of a bunch of politicians, y yes. even yes. in Kenya, who <laughs> talk a lot but content oh yes. mm -hmm. uh, zero. 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 <laughs> yeah. Then she goes on to look at some studies done by famous authors. Yeah. One is Jim Collins, who wrote uh, Good to Great. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he found that many of the best performing companies of the late 20th century mm -hmm. are what he called level five leaders. Yes. And these were, mm. um, they're known as CEOs who are not flashy, mm -hmm. yes. very understated, yes. and were extremely um, humble. Yes. Yeah. And they had an intense professional will. So right. they weren't the charismatic ones that we know, mm. yes. jumping off buildings like yes. Richard Branson and mm -hmm. whatnot. Yes. <laughs> and these CEOs were modest, reserved, shy, gracious, and understated. E yes. So she says, what can we learn from these introverted leaders? Mm. I'll be quick. Mm. Three things. Mm. One, mm. they're not concerned with getting credit, yeah. Mm. Yeah. which usually means yes. that they can assign work to yeah. those mm. who can perform it best. Yes. So it means that you're not trying to hog the limelight yeah, constantly by having mm. the best idea. Yeah. And the third thing is that introverts, when more, uh, they, they listen more, which yeah. means that they don't dominate every situation. Yes. Yeah. When you listen more, you can gather more. Yes. So um, many lessons, yes. yeah. but a very good book. Yeah. You know, let me ask you guys, of all world leaders right now in the world, who can you, who would you just, in the, in, if you're told to mention a world leader right now, hmm? say one. Trump. Uh-huh, you? Kagame. Thank you. <laughs> there's a reason why you say <laughs> that. <laughs> but there's a reason why you say Trump. I would say Trump. You see, Trump comes out, he doesn't, he says everything and he actually attributes, when he killed al-Baghdadi, he said, I walked in, knock, knock. A normal person say, open the door, but my soldiers blasted his <laughs> way. You know, he, he, everything is up to him. But you see, that is how he gets reviews. However, I think this book is inviting us to just think about balance in life. And yeah. I think that's very important. Yeah, and I, I think I just speaking about balance, yeah. if, have you heard of um, an ambivert? Mm. An ambivert is what you have between an extrovert and an introvert. Okay. So when I ask that question, what do you think you are? Yeah. I qualify myself as an ambivert. You could be a bit of both. I can oh be wow. a bit of both. And I think that's I really like important. That. I like that because the Sicilian mafia had one rule that wow. the, lo the loudest <laughs> in the room is the weakest. Okay. So I, I agree. They have to be, you have to find some middle ground. Good mm. balance. <laughs>